What's up, capitalists? It's your intrepid guide to the 21st century, Nate Houseman. I have not been very active on YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey, and podcasts for the last few months. I've just been very irate at uh, YouTube, for obvious reasons. And I've just been uncomfortable speaking to a microphone, but I've got a brand new microphone, and it works like a champ. I have not been idle. If you follow my web blog at natehouseman.net, you see I've been sharing articles almost a dozen per day, and I've been working on my meme game. A lot of these are Nate Houseman originals. Uh, this one's not, but you go, there's this great website called imgflip.com where I just pick pop culture pop, pop culture images from the, li from the library, and I comment the hell out of the economic pop culture and current events of the day. So we're going to go over a few of them right now. <clears throat> if, if you like what you if you like what you hear and if you like what you see, please share please share this video, please share this program, uh, give it a thumbs up, hit the subscribe button, and if you want if you want, you can click on any of my referral links in the description, go to my website, you can check out my store. click on work with me and I'll get you set up with some white label uh, web design and marketing services. If you have a small business, it's really important that you be online and we're going to laugh. We're going to point and laugh at a lot of corporations and it's very important that, you know, we all do our own thing and stick up for ourselves. So, you can follow me on Rumble, Odyssey, YouTube, podcasts. I have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and gee, something's going on with Twitter. I'm starting to think maybe I should get more active on that. From the Post Millennial, CNN's Brian Stelter complains that Twitter will be a party with no rules once Elon Musk takes over. Yeah, so Elon Musk. Now, I'm not sure he's the most, you know... positive partner for like conservatives but he's a free speech absolutist which you know by default makes him an enemy of the left so we got a bunch of articles just going ape going bonkers over his purchase of twitter and i'm surprised that it went so smoothly it's like the sh twitter's shareholders must have a lot more pull than we all thought if they were able to get the uh, twitter board to uh, go along with this this is a very good. This is a very good sign of um, the power of the people, and we just you know we just need to like speak up, and I think the um, theme of the day is overpowering a vocal minority that's been running us ragged and wagging the dog. So, Sean King, other liberals vowed to leave Twitter and to protest Elon Musk buying the site. Uh, I would not call these these strange. Weirdos, liberals. I mean, liberal means you're open to new, you're open, you're open-minded. You want to advocate for the, the the disadvantage. You want to advocate for women, the arts and science. That's not what any of these like nincompoops really promote. They are con artists. They are frauds. We need to make a we need to 
define the difference between liberal and leftist. And we also need to uh, def define the difference between conservative and right-wing. I mean, conservatives and liberals, the true conservatives and liberals, I keep saying they're not each other's real enemies. They really ought to be friends. Like, they, they both have valid viewpoints. The real problem is the pundits, politicians, and con artists who pretend to be um, one, one thing or another and totally misrepresent everybody. So, and I think that's what Elon Musk wants to uh, clear out. He has said he wants to clear out all the uh, fake accounts, all the uh, spam bots, all, and just have real people on there. And we're going to see how, how many people are actually real. Um, Twitter staff are told in an emergency meeting that their jobs are only safe for six months until Musk completes his $4 billion takeover. This is from the Daily Mail. Um, just going to read the bullet points. Some Twitter staff have reacted with horror to Elon Musk's takeover of the company. Uh, the company has frozen planned changes to the service until Friday, amid what Bloomberg speculated was concerned that a rogue employee could push something or mess the product on the way out the door. In message rooms, staff vented about their trepidation. Uh, others in the staff meeting held at 5 p.m. Eastern worried whether they would still be able to work from home. Uh, the CEO, current CEO, told staff their jobs are safe at the moment saying there would be no layoffs until Musk took over in six months. Um, yeah, this this Daily Mail article is pretty long. It's got a bunch of tweets and images. But the people who run who run Twitter, and I'm saying the people who run Twitter, maybe not the uh, ground floor employees, but maybe the middle managers, and we're going to see this theme quite a bit throughout the program. A lot of the middle managers and, and executives, they're like... They totally hate the idea of people making their own decisions. These are narcissists. These are psychopaths. These are people with strange personality disorders who just hate letting people do their, letting other people do their own thing. And we're going to talk about personality disorders a little bit later. If you've been following a very famous uh, court case going on, yeah, Twitter blocks a uh, site cha changes over fears workers could go rogue. This is from the New York Post. Just scanning a bunch of articles here. Uh, Twitter is reportedly taking drastic steps to maintain smooth operations this week amid fears that disgruntled employees could try to disrupt the service following Elon Musk's takeover. So the platform has blocked routine changes such as product updates. Let's see here. Twitter implemented the ban out of concerns that workers who are upset with the company's board for accepting the billion offer, $44 billion offer could go rogue. Okay. And you got some public figures being very upset about this. Obama, who I don't believe for a second he won the election in 2012. Uh, I don't know. And I've always thought Obama was weird. Just the cult of personality was just creepy around him around 2008. Like, I didn't... I've never liked him. Obama calls for tech regulation to combat disinformation on social media. This is from last Thursday. Former President Barack Obama criticized social media companies for contributing to polarization. Um, he says that the spread of disinformation online is harming American democracy, and the tech industry needs regulation and legislation to address the problem. And this is also, I believe, the speech where he admitted that a bunch of, that pretty much everyone who took the COVID jab is 
A test subject. An experiment. Participant. I covered that article, covered that story on my blog. And also, this is from TimCast.com. Lawmakers are calling for greater oversight of social media. So, we've got... Unless they're demanding, you know, First Amendment protections, they got no business on this, or or unless they're break, unless they're upholding the First Amendment, or unless they're breaking up a monopoly, they got no business doing this. This is like illegal, straight up, and you shouldn't be afraid to say that. If you've got some left wing nincompoop just trying to shame you and use humiliating language to say that. They need, you need you need to prevent mis- misinformation. It, they you, you you just know they can. They're projecting, and really, project projection is the calling card of a malignant narcissist. They blame other people for what they themselves do. But we're gonna get to the main idea of this uh, whole the main theme of this whole Elon Musk and Twitter saga. This is on Zero Hedge courtesy of Simon Black via the Sovereign Man blog. We're going to read this article. On April 8th, 1985, a Texas-based energy company called Mesa Petroleum launched a hostile takeover bid for the Union Oil Company of California, or Unical. Mesa had been founded in 1856 by legendary oil man T. Boone Pickens, and by the 1980s, Pickens became a well-known corporate raider in the oil and gas industry i.e. someone who acquires struggling companies at a discount, then sells off their assets for a profit. Pickens' reputation was so ominous that whenever he set his sights on an acquisition target, that company's board would usually pay him green mail to leave them alone. But Unical's board of directors wasn't having any of that. So once, Poop, so once Pickens announced his, official, his takeover off, offer, Unical's board launched what has become known as a poison pill. Poison pills are corporate tactics that a company employs in order to make a hostile takeover as difficult as possible. They can take a variety of different forms, but in general, they are legal remedies designed to deliberately injure the hostile bidder. Pickens sued Unical immediately in Delaware's Court of Chancery, a specialty court in Delaware that exclusively hears corporate cases. Pickens initially won the case. The court ruled that Unical's board had the responsibility to treat all shareholders equally, and therefore it was illegal to launch a plan that would specifically injure Mesa and Pickens. But Unical appealed. And eventually, the Delaware Supreme Court overturned the initial ruling and sided with Unical. This is a landmark corporate case, and it set a clear standard for company boards. The judges established what is now known as the Unical Standard, which states that a corporate board can't implement a poison pill to injure a single shareholder, but only if the shareholder represents an existential threat to the business, i.e. a corporator who intends to shut the company down and sell off its assets, or two, the poison pill must be proportionate to the threat. This Unical standard has given rise to some absurd poison pill plans over the years. In March 2020, for example, another energy group called the Williams Companies saw its stock price plummet in the early days of the COVID-19 panic. So the board decided to preemptively adopt a poison pill plan to make their stock unattractive to any potential activist investors, as well as to any changes that existing shareholder would want to make. According to internal documents, the directors want to insulate the board and management from the stockholders' wishes and prevent stockholders from voting erroneously out of ignorance for new directors. Clearly, the directors had no interest in those pesky shareholders, i.e. the actual owners of the business, expressing their views. 
At least one director referred to this poison pill as a nuclear weapon. Everyone would suffer. To a few shareholders sued, so a few shareholders sued the company in Delaware's Chancery Court, and the judges quickly invalidated the poison pill. The Williams Company's poison pill in no way met the Unical test. First, there was no existential threat to the business. The board was essentially launching a nuclear weapon in order to defend against some perceived hypothetical threat and opposed to a threat that actually existed. And more importantly, the response was not proportionate to even the hypothetical threat. Moreover, in their ruling, the judges hilariously mocked the arrogance of the board, referring to the board's deep entrenchment and we-know-better mentality. This is what I call the tyranny of the minority. It's when a small handful of people, or sometimes even one person, holds a fanatical view that I and I alone should be in charge. And that's the theme of this article here. Often, this person or group doesn't even have much of a stake, if any. So their incentives are clearly not aligned with the rest of the stakeholders. Yet they have enormous power. We most recently saw this with Twitter, which, up until this weekend, was fighting against Elon Musk's takeover offer. Twitter's board of directors famously owns almost no stock in the company. Instead, they receive absurdly generous director fees, which means their incentives are completely misaligned with those of the shareholders. Unsurprisingly, Twitter's stock price has gone nowhere. The company loses money, its content policies are a mess, and users are abandoning the platform. Yet when faced with a takeover bid that would actually benefit shareholders and put real money in people's pockets, the, the directors rejected Elon and came up with their own poison pill plan. Now, Elon Musk is not a corporate raider, i.e. he's not threatening to shut the company down and sell off its assets. He does not represent an, ex an existential threat to Twitter. This means that the board already fails the Unical legal test, which means their poison pill would be easily invalidated in court. My guess, and this is the author writing, my guess is that they offer they received sobering counsel over the weekend that they had no real legal options to challenge Elon's bid. So they've now changed their tune and have signaled the desire to negotiate. But it's still a great example of the tyranny of minority, a tiny, uninvested elite who have the power to decide outcomes for everyone else, and they consistently get it wrong. I kind of think they get it wrong on purpose. They take a sick pleasure in forcing people to do what they don't want. They, they want to force evil on people. This is how government works, too. I'm not talking about, talking about elected officials. I'm talking about, about people like Anthony Fauci, who on Thursday blasted a federal judge for overturning the airline mask mandate. Fauci told CBS News the court ruling was disturbing because it was a public health matter, not a judicial matter. Fauci embodies the, this we-know-better entrenched mentality. He believes that we sh he shouldn't be subject to oversight, and that he should be insulated from interference and criticism. The rest of us peasants shouldn't be allowed to express a view on the matter. And in a way, he essentially launched his own poison pill in 2020 to strip all other stakeholders, that is, everyone in the country, of their rights. Fauci decided that he, and he alone, should be allowed to decide what is hashtag science and what is misinformation. He coordinated with the world's largest tech companies to make sure of it. Larry Fink is another example. His firm, BlackRock, manages more than $10 trillion in other people's money primarily through passive exchange funds and mutual funds. Chances are, if you're one of the millions of people who invested in one of BlackRock's funds, like the iShares S&P ETF, you never expressly gave Fink the power to vote on your behalf. But he has seized that power anyhow, and weaponized it to force companies into his reimagined view of woke stakeholder capitalism. He even bragged that at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors across corporate America. 
This tyranny of the minority is growing. The media elites, the top universities, big tech, they all wield enormous power. Yet their views and incentives are totally misaligned with everyone else. And that's the point. Google, for example, recently made changes to its online docs editor to police your writing as it's just more inclusive and often gender-neutral language. The good news is, it's easy to fight back. Just stop using them. Stop investing in BlackRock's funds. Start ex exercising your own corporate votes. Stop watching cable news. Stop consuming, consuming the products of woke companies who don't have any backbone. Stop using big tech. After all, there are plenty alter of alternatives. It costs nothing, for example, to stop using Google search engine and start using Brave Search. Brave Search is awesome. I also use. I also recommend uh, PreSearch.org. That's PreSearch.org is a blockchain run search engine. It's decentralized. Decentralized, good. Centralized, bad. Honestly, if you're concerned about the tyranny of the minority, but you're not willing to take even the most simple step, you might want to ask yourself how strong your convictions really are. So, a lot of convictions, a lot of people's convictions have been fired up, and we're seeing the tide turn. I've said on my on my program many times, the good guys are winning. The only reason it seems bad is because the powers of being, the would-be tyrants, they're getting desperate. They're acting rashly. They're acting uh, desperate. They're acting violently. And that's because they're losing control. So, moving on somewhat, let's talk about some of the economic news. Uh, today on April 26th, it seems like all the markets are down. Like Tesla stop, stock drops, Tesla stock drop wipes out $126 billion in one day. This is from Bloomberg. And they're taking some great pleasure in all this because Michael Bloomberg is a elitist. I'm trying to think of a word that's not, that's not a swear word. But he's so far up his ass. He's just as bad as some... He's just probably just as bad as Jeff Bezos. So Tesla stock wiped nearly $126 billion off its valuation Tuesday as the stock fell 12% on investors' concern that Elon Musk may sell shares to complete his $44 billion takeover of Twitter. So... If you look at the, um, the economic news... NASDAQ tumbles to its lowest close since late 2020, so everyone's down, not just not just Tesla. And there's some very there's some very well-known companies we're going to look at next that look at pretty soon here that are struggling mighty terribly because families and regular people just don't want to tolerate their bullcrap. But according to Reuters here, Wall Street ended sharply lower on Tuesday with the Nasdaq closing at, closing at its lowest since December 2020, as investors worried about slowing global growth and a more aggressive Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve is at the root of a lot of this market activity. It's like, um, no one's really sure whether they're going to tamp down inflation or not. Um, inflation is making life hell for everyone, except those who invest in assets. You know, And one of the Big reasons why the rich get richer and the poor stay poor is because regular people, the working class and the middle class, they work for money. The rich and wealthy, and that includes corporate executives, they work for assets. They work for stocks. 
They work for commodities like precious metals or oil. Um, one thing that's driving a few people like Charlie Munger mad is Bitcoin. And I strongly urge that everyone take part in Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin might be, we're going to look at the Bitcoin price a little bit, but it fluctuates. But you can buy as little or as much as you want um, or spend as much as you want because each Bitcoin is divided up into like by eight decimal points. So definitely click on the link to um, a poll. Let's say uh, it's both a wallet and um, an exchange that's very, very user beginner friendly. So if you're new to crypto and you really don't want to, um, don't get too high on like the technical, like buy low, sell high trading sort of thing. You can you can dollar cost average with a poll. It's very it's very simple. You uh, connect your um you connect to your debit card or your bank account, and you can put some of your money in an asset and offset inflation. So, and let's look at the Bitcoin price. Altcoins sell off as Bitcoin price drops to its macro level support at thirty eight thirty eight thousand. This is off of tel Coin Telegraph, and if you look at this chart, I believe this is from January of this year. Bitcoin's been trading sideways for like pretty much ever since the new year started. Its all-time high was way back in November of last year, but it's just been trading, just bouncing up and down over this uh, level of uh, $40,000. And... I think a lot of that is um, with with the way that the um, Federal Reserve, the the, the people who uh, pr print the money supply, we don't know what they're doing, and a lot of people are like not wanting to take any risks. And when, they, when you don't want to take risks, you don't use any leverage for for trading assets. Leverage is when you borrow money to either make more on investment or to short a um, short an asset, hoping it goes down. Not many people, I don't think many people are using leverage right now, and that's why the Bitcoin price is just kind of like flat and boring. Um, no one knows what the Fed is going to do because they keep having these meetings saying, oh, we're going to be hawkish, we're going to like tamp down inflation, and they barely do anything. So markets hate uncertainty even more than they hate bad news. So that's one reason why the markets are down today. And that's one reason why Bitcoin and all the cryptocurrency coins, altcoins, are kind of flat. But that's not the only reason. Two big media companies are on the are on the rocks. Y'all heard y'all you all heard last week how Netflix stop Netflix stock has sunk like a stone because they've lost subscribers. They pretty much hit their ceiling on how many people they can they can onboard and get get subscriptions from. And when you look at their library, the, really the only shows that were holding up were Office, The Office, and Friends, and maybe Seinfeld. And those have gone; those have been taken away by other streaming services. And so you got a bunch of crap. And I almost never watch Netflix because. All the movies I want to see aren't on there. Like, I've been on this Conan the Barbarian kick for like the last year or so. 
And I can only find that on Amazon. So, And I never got into the Stranger Things. A lot of shows have been, have been canceled on Netflix. And Disney stock also cratered. Let's see. This is from April 22nd. This was uh, four days ago. Disney stock... Disney is set to rank among worst performing stocks in 2022 as company prepares to be stripped of its special privileges in Florida. Stocks tumbled 31% from a year ago. Yeah, so Disney Plus kind of saved Disney from during the pandemic and also Walt Disney World in Florida because Governor DeSantis wasn't a uh, tight-butted crank like Gavin Newsom of California was. Um... Florida actually was open for business, and so Walt Disney World was able to um, go on. But, and I only found out about this like earlier this month, that Walt Disney World actually has its own government. It's like it's like its own city or its own county government inside Florida. And they got they kind of got this privilege back in the '60s when um when the cup when the Walt Disney Company was buying up land and offering. Florida, a whole lot of tourism business, but because Disney, because they went against that anti-grooming law that everyone mischaracterizes as don't say gay, that's not what the bill is at all. It clearly is is, is putting an end to sex ed before, I think, the fourth grade. It's and the people who are saying, oh, we're going to... Disney actually... The Disney corporate executives in California said, okay, we're going to appeal this law in Florida. And that might have been the turning point in this whole culture war because the powers that be, the woke corporations, the uh, the deep state, they went after the kids and they, went, and they, were, and they were caught doing it. And that might be what has really made April a, a a big storm for the uh, power for the uh, elite. So there's that. So yes, Ron DeSantis on on the 22nd, he signed the new congressional map legislation removing Disney's special district and to stop the uh, woke education bill. So he did double duty on that day and I believe the fa- the parents and families with young kids all over Florida are on board. So, unless you're not paying attention, this is like, you've got to be really sheltered to not be, be, along, be going along with this. So, moving on with the economic news, talking about inflation again. This is from Breitbart. Uh, Biden inflation, manu- Biden inflation. Manufacturing costs hit 43-year high in Philly Fed survey. This is from April 21st. A measure of inflationary pressures faced by manufacturers hits its high mark in nearly 43 years this month, according to data released Thursday by the Federal Reserve Bank in Philadelphia. The Philly Fed's manufacturing survey showed that its index of prices paid paid rose four points in April to a score of 84.6%, the highest reading since June of 1970. 
more than 85% of manufacturers reported increases in input prices. So the prices for raw materials, for transportation, for delivery, you would hope the, price, the cost of labor is going up because the workers need their salaries, but the cost of manufacturing is just going up because everything else is going up. And this is a consequence of fiat currency. Um, sometime I'm going to, if you ever want to go to my website, I shared an article called, titled, um, here I got to find it. It's not the end, it's not late stage capitalism, it's late, late stage fiat. This is an article originally printed on, published on bitcoinmagazine.com. And the author, he argues that ever since 1971, when the dollar was taken up, was removed from the gold standard, and we used fiat money rather than sound money, which is like gold or silver or commodities, money basically has not been real, and it's been funneled into like assets like stocks or precious metals or commodities and gone out of workers' salaries. And... It's been very gradual the last 50, 51 years, but it's been really sped up since the pandemic when the Fed decided to print a bunch of money and offer stimulus to everyone. Everyone can see now really the folly of fiat currency. So hopefully this, this inspires people to adopt either gold and silver or Bitcoin. I A lot of people argue whether... Gold is better or Bitcoin is better. I think they're both great. They both have their advantages and just, they both have their pros and cons. Um, I don't do much with gold because I don't. I wouldn't know where to put it. But but I but I'm very I, I do I fully support people who do you know you know collect precious metals. Uh, Bitcoin is um, fine for me, and I've got a few um, crypto crypto trading bots on the website Pionex kind of working for me. The best thing to do when you um when you, when you invest in something like gold or Bitcoin, the safest investment strategy is just dollar cost averaging. It's when you take part of your paycheck and you just put part of it into an asset every periodically. You don't necessarily try to beat the market. You don't necessarily try to buy low or sell high because that's very hard to predict unless you're a total analytical unemotional machine so just put in put in a little bit every so often time in the market to be beats timing the market if you want to um, if you want to trade or day trade you've got to be you've got to make that your full-time job and just and you've got to um be like a total geek when it comes to um analyzing the markets analyzing the charts i do follow a few youtubers who do that but i don't trust myself to do it myself like i am um, I do have a few uh, accounts, a couple bots on Pionex to uh, do the trading for me. They're like, they're robots. They're, they're machines. They just, you know, they have no emotion. They just buy low and sell high based on technical analysis. So there's that. So inflation, fiat money is causing problems in the U.S. 
Sanctions against Russia are causing problems in Europe. Secretary, Secretary Yellen notes the sanctions against Russia backfiring against are backfiring against the European Union via unsustainably higher prices. And one advantage that Russia has over the rest of Europe is just recently they decided to peg their currency to gold. And that's going to be huge. It's like they're sticking it to the central bank system. And I'm not I'm not totally convinced Vladimir Putin's a good guy. Like no one stays in office as long as he did, as long as he has without some sort of shenanigans. But he is he is separate from the whole new world order globalist cabal. So if he's able to get his country's money out of the Western Central Bank system and onto something real like gold or silver or Bitcoin, I mean, fine. That's We'll take these, we'll take these good things as they come. But um, the rest of Europe, I mean, they're they're using the euro, and Britain's using the pound. But they're still they're still cranking along on on a fiat currency. So we'll see how long it takes for them to get their minds right. Speaking of people's minds. Let's look at this uh, little drama around Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about mental health in the last article concerning um, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. But we've got this micro, we've got this um, some other examples of really some weird people acting violent, acting evilly towards people who call them out. Is Marjorie Taylor Greene crazy? I don't think so. I think the people who are trying to who are taking her to court just cannot tolerate any valid criticism. So this is from redstate.com. Marjorie Taylor Greene's court appearance for alleged insurrection was absolutely bonkers. And I believe this article explains it pretty well, so we'll go ahead and read it. I'll admit to forgetting this is a thing, says the author, but apparently Democrat activists are still trying to get Marjorie Taylor Greene thrown off the 2022 ballot under the guise that she promoted an insurrection. What's the evidence to support such a contention? Apparently, these have common historical terms in the movie Independence Day. I'm not kidding. Green took the stand, and what followed was just bonkers. Here's a taste of how silly things got. Here, they show a tweet by Jack Posobiec. They are literally quoting Independence Day to Marjorie Taylor Greene at this point. Blue Anon has lost their ever-loving minds. And I'm not going to play the video because I'm not sure my mic would catch that. Green pre previously used the phrase, We will not go quietly into the night, which prompted the showing of Independence Day in the courtroom. Again, not kidding. After which the congresswoman said that she did not get her inspiration from the movie. Of note, that this is that the phrase is common, and as Green notes, it first appeared in a poem during the mid-20th century. In other words, Hollywood ripped it off. And this loony lawyer didn't even realizing it. Didn't even realize it. Asserting the Green somehow saying it somehow meant that she had a desire to foment insurrection? I mean, heck, that scene in Independence Day is not even about insurrection. It's about governments preserving themselves and their people by killing aliens. But Blue on is nothing if not if they aren't absolutely insane. Of course, we also got QAnon talk. And I haven't followed Q, but I do I do follow the X-23 report, and I know that. There's no such thing as QAnon. There's Q, who 
posts we don't know who or what Q is, and there are the Anons who ask Q questions and try to get at the bottom of what Q says. There's no Q Anon. That's that's a that's a boogeyman. The Lib Attorney is now asking Marjorie Taylor Greene about QAnon. This joke trial should never have even ever taken place and is a stain upon our society. That's another tweet by Jack Posobiec. What's funny about this is that the lawyer obviously thought he had a moment lined up when he pressed Green on whether she believes in QAnon. She blew it up, though, by quickly saying no, which countered the narrative he was seeking to push. Green also mentioned that this that the article she was being asked about was from CNN. So yeah, there might be a credibility problem in how things are framed. But I think the best takedown occurred when Green was asked about uh, using such nefarious terms as 1776. When the petitioner tries to get MTG to say that her use of 1776 was a call for violence, she points out that 1776 is on the Georgia state seal. I don't know if you noticed our state seal here in Georgia, but as you can see, we enjoy our history and are proud of our freedom. It's like... These people have a problem with the Declaration of Independence. And they should, because the Declaration of Independence says that if a government becomes destructive towards the end of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it's the right of people to alter or abolish it. So, you just played yourself, dude. Suffice it to say, I'm really not a fan of the left's attempt to take objectively good things and turn them into supposed dog whistles that only they can hear. Green has never called for an insurrection. She did not participate in an insurrection. It is not an insurrection to object to the Electoral College, and several Democrats have done so in the past. So yeah, we're not actually... The conservatives and patriots are not actually planning to alter or abolish the, the United States government. They're trying to, to preserve it. They're trying to preserve the Constitution and the rule of law. In summary, this entire case is just a total farce. Green has a right to free speech. He should not be in a courtroom having to defend... Having to defend that right to some crazy Democrat activist group seeking to undercut the will of the voters. Ironically, throwing her off the ballot would be far more undermining of democracy than anything Green, Green has ever done. Lastly, this judge actually ruled to allow this nonsense is to continue is nuts, and given that he did, who knows how he'll actually rule on the matter. Could Green really be thrown off the ballot based on clips from Independence Day and accusations saying, that saying 1776 is a call for insurrection? It's actually possible. The world is full of crazy people. And by crazy, I mean mentally ill in the head. Um, here's another story from Red State. Union head Randy Weingarten says parents are stoking the flames of war. This kind of comes back, goes back to the Disney story. But Randy Weingarten is the president of the American Federation of Teachers and perhaps the person who is most to blame for the horrific abuse our children have suffered in the public education system over the last two years. She's wielded the power of, the, of her union and affiliates to wedge her way on into several federal COVID policies and CDC discussions about health. And the victims have been voters and taxpayers who have had absolutely no say in representation or influence. White Garden is a union representative whose only interests, whose interests only lie with her organization, which is not exactly surprising. In fact, it's expected. It's right there in the name. Teachers. If her strong arming only applied to the interests of teachers, it would be one thing. However, Weingarten cloaks her activism in the language of justice, and the outcome of her activism is to, is to disadvantage students and parents. This, that is a combative stance. 
And yet Weingarten recently had the nerve to say that pushback in the form of parental rights legislation and discussion is how wars start. On a recent podcast, the AEFT president suggested that the current trend of parental interest and parental rights activism is propaganda, is propaganda and intimated that parents fighting for their liberties is akin to stoking warfare. And to recap, Weingarten... There's a, there's a YouTube clip here, and I'm not going to play that because I'm not sure if it would be caught. It would be recorded by my screen recorder. But um, to recap, Weingarten believes that teachers and their union representatives colluding with government to override parental authority and set local and federal health policies is just fine. The parents opposing that collusion are warmongers. In a statement Fox News, the union had accused vocal minorities of harming gay children, teachers, and book banning. And this is another example of projection. This is the key example of projection. Parents are not the vocal minority. These weirdo bureaucrats and and talking heads are the vocal minority. They're the ones who scream and throw temper tantrums on Twitter. They're the ones who um who threaten violent action against, you know, Parents, um, business, small businesses, they're the ones who um, pre- pretty much use emotional blackmail to um, control the people's lives. They hate it when normal people make their own decisions. These people have something wrong in their heads. And you think I'm, you think I'm, you think I'm exaggerating, but we've got a case of it in this last story. I have not followed the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp saga here, but... This just puts a pin on the whole thing. Amber Heard, this is from the Daily Mail again. Amber Heard shifts uncomfortably as clinical psychologist tells the defamation trial that she suffers from two personality disorders and grossly exaggerated her PTSD after split from Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp's legal team called an expert witness, Dr. Shannon Curry, to the witness stand on the ninth day of his defamation trial Tuesday. The clinical and forensic psychologist was hired to review files in the case last year before being asked to conduct an evaluation of Amber Heard. Curry, reveal, Curry revealed she ultimately diagnosed Heard, age 36, with borderline personality disorder and histrionic, histrionic personality disorder. The two disorders are found in people with patterns of emotional instability and attention-seeking behavior, among other traits. Heard is being sued by her ex-husband, Johnny Depp, who claims she defamed him in a 2018 op-ed about being a survivor of domestic abuse. So... I'm not going to read the whole article, but if you want some good clips of Dr. Curry diagnosing her, you really ought to go to a Midnight's Edge channel on YouTube. They've got a they've got a pretty good you know uh, collection of her testimony, just letting her letting her do her thing and just a little commentary at the end. But there are people with there are people with borderline personality disorder which is basically a fear of abandonment that's so bad that they get violent whenever their partners even disagree. Uh, there's narcissistic personality disorder, which is like, which is like, you know, grandiose um, opinions of self, feelings of self, self-worth and just a total intolerance to um, other people having their own way. There's psychopaths, 
There's social antisocial personality disorder, which will, which used to be called a uh, sociopathy. There's um. The question is whether these people really have any control, whether they're actually responsible for their evil acts, and that's probably a question for another day. But we just gotta be aware that mental health probably drives a lot of the um, struggles we're dealing with in the world, and the kind of people who rise to the top who rise to the, like, the upper ranks of the power system, they do, they, they've, got to have, they've got to have like a lot of nerve and disregard for other people. So it's very rare for someone, maybe like Elon Musk, to actually have you know, a, um, a conscience that they become so wealthy and successful. So this is why... I'm educating people on the importance of assets, the um, some of the real issues in the real issues in the economy and pop culture. We're seeing the uh, elites pretty much reveal themselves, and it looks bad, but this is a good thing because we're taking power back. We've always had power. We've just been traumatized into like not stepping over our bounds so i will leave you with that uh like i said if you like if you find this content valuable hit the like button hit the thumbs up subscribe and share it and also visit my website needhouseman.net for some more articles and resources i'll see you soon and i'll let you know it's uh okay to stand up for yourself have a good one